Hello there, it's Sam here from Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam, and welcome to part two of our meander through market research with Amanda Clayson's. So I'm going to get out of the way now so you can continue listening. Enjoy. We mentioned before about doing certain amounts of market research yourself, and you sort of said, well, obviously, you know, there, there's almost, we, 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 Sally and I were thinking of this idea of can you end up doing potentially more harm than good in some circumstances, or would you say that actually it's always going to be good to uh, you know, to, to, well, I think the answer to this is yes, you're always going to be able to try and understand more about your audience. But are there any sort of examples where you think you can potentially, or pitfalls where you could do more harm than good? I think there are so many places where things could tip up. I was listening, Sally, to your meander about can you do your marketing yourself? And that whole long list you came out with, aside from me going, oh my God, I'm not doing that, or that, or that, or that. <laughs> Um, it kind of made me think, God, well, yeah, research is the same. So, you know, starting off, do you need quant or qual? How do you make that decision? If you go down the wrong route there, then, you know, that's your first pitfall. What are you going to do? Are you going to do online? Are you going to do face-to-face? Are you going to do telephone? Postal might even work. Um, how are you going to get to them? Have you got a list? Is that list good quality? Is it clean? Is it GDPR compliant? how are you going to find them going back to do you need to go and stand outside a nursery to find these mums yeah who's going to do that are you going to do it who are you going to pay to do it how are you going to train them um sorry sorry go on the compliance is a really interesting thing because quite apart from gdpr compliant which i think sam and i can probably become really obsessive about because once you've been anywhere in a crm system (laughs) some part of your life yeah Um, but do, do you have to get compliance for the people who might be in a focus group and you've asked their questions for? And if the marketeers want to use that as a, as a quote, um, they said X, do you have to get compliance from those people? Yes, you, I, you can use all my words in advertising. Yes. So um, we, I'm a member of the Market Research Society. So that's the UK's kind of governing body. They have a code of conduct that lays out rules for what we can and can't do. In essence, we can't sell. So if, if you take part in a market research call, I can't try to sell you something as a result okay. of it. Just okay. can't. Um, and I think that's something I could have a whole nother conversation about that of how people think, oh, well, all you're going to do is just give my data to someone and then going to phone me up and try and sell it. Yeah. And you see it all the time. I've meandered now, haven't I? You see it all the time, though, when people call you. I'm just doing a survey about your windows. How many windows do you have in your house? Uh, yeah. And if you were to replace one, which one would it be? And then the next day you get eight calls from double glazing salesmen. That was yeah. never researched and it's really naughty and you should report them. I get so cross with people like that. <laughs> um, sorry, I've meandered off. What was no, this you, is what's good the meandering. question Fortunately. about compliance? Yes. Yeah. So at, and at the start of a project, everyone is guaranteed to be anonymous. That, that's kind of the basis of research. So unless you give me permission, I cannot attribute you to your comments. Okay. And then you can give them the option at the end to say, are you happy that it's you, Amanda, who lives in High Wycombe, who said, these handbags are the best handbags ever? Or it could be a woman aged 48 living in Bucks. It's it's up to the respondent to kind of identify what level they would like to be identified by. Yeah. So you're not necessarily just, um, if you do some market research, getting a load of free quotes, because some people might say, no, I'd rather you didn't use my data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think the thing with researchers are always clear upfront about, and that again is in the code of conduct. You need to be completely transparent upfront what you're doing, why you're doing it, and who you're doing it for. 
Yeah, but it's one of those, if you do it yourself, it's one of those um, mistakes you might make that you could live to regret. Yeah, totally. Mm. And, you know, there's nothing wrong in, in sending out um, a little feedback form saying, I'm wanting some really nice quotes on my website. Can you tell me what you thought about my service? And you come yeah. back with some great things. Brilliant. But you need to be aware that, that that isn't really market research because all the people that think you're rubbish won't email you back and tell you you're rubbish or even but if it's you, you're unlikely to put that on your website <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so that's that's more of a kind of gathering positive feedback for marketing purposes which which you can get as a result of research most definitely yeah but you're also likely to get some oh you're lovely but i really don't like the fact that when i take my handbag out in the rain it gets a bit soggy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've got two little sub question meanders off that actually, but one, <laughs> one was one's probably more interesting than the other one actually. But I think it's about the bad news. How when you've had to, if you've got any examples where you've had to break, I mean, we may have touched on this already, but like bad news in inverted commas, kind of back to people who go, well, we're really confident about this one, and we 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 want to find out what's going on, and then actually, because because I'm imagining, like you just alluded to, bad news is probably more useful potentially than good news as it were or bad feedback i should say mm -hmm. sorry rather than news but um any sort of examples of where, where where you've worked with that and you sort of it's either perhaps unexpected or or it's just been yeah i mean it happens i um i'm trying to think of how to anonymize it yeah <laughs> i can't tell you who it was um yeah there have been there have been examples where we've worked on you know a client has an amazing ad campaign that they think is going to transform the way their company's been seen we've spent three four weeks interviewing people no one really cares they've just completely missed the mark you know yeah it's a fairly bland ad campaign so yeah when i'm presenting that back to them you're like yeah and it's it's horrible seeing their faces and they're all excited oh what's everyone thinking and you know, you've got the creative people there who've done all of the they're like well actually they don't really care about that and they didn't get your messaging and but all you can do is you know this is what this is what the respondents are telling you they they don't like it so isn't it better that you know now rather than carrying on with this shit campaign that yep. takes your brand into a nosedive yeah exactly if you say this is i'm sorry this is this is a bit shite now and yeah. <laughs> but, but, but then isn't it great that you've done it you know and what's the point of doing research you don't just want your egos massaged the whole time i'm telling you it's not great and here actually here are the good things about it and here are what people don't like about it so you can use that to yeah. improve for the next time yeah exactly like and, this yeah, yeah, yeah and, exactly and, I guess coming back to what we said earlier on about sort of the snapshots and then the consistency. So I'm I'm thinking that you know if I'm if I've got my handbag business and I I do my initial market research when I'm I'm, I'm beginning and then I want to do you know a regular set of market research. You come back after my second second time after the first year and you actually say yeah it's all going well but the, the, everybody really hates the goo. That there's no so what. You know, it's not fulfilling anything there. The, the goo they don't want as you say because actually a competitor produces something better and we're just worried our goo is not selling uh, to, mm -hmm. to near into our beautiful handbags but then we we take that on the chin and we understand that you know competitors got something else we understand what they're offering we then i don't know we adapt the goo to make it perfumed or something and and then this new feature does go down well but mm -hmm. then we just continue to evolve i mean presumably that you know revisiting of market research questions and, adapt and evolving uh is really important if you want to in, in the long term of course to, to to continue to understand and be close to your 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 audience i would have thought 
Yeah, and I work on um, a lot of ongoing tracking studies. So um, I, I work on one at the moment where they track MPS scores. So for those that don't know MPS, if some, how likely are you to recommend my product? If you give a score of nine and 10, then you're a promoter. Uh, seven and eight, you're in the middle, and everyone else is a detractor. You take the promoters, sorry, you take the detractors away from the promoters and you get a score. The best score you could get would be 100, and the worst would be minus 100. <laughs> and it's used as a way of tracking, you know, some industries are rubbish, and a good score is minus 10. Some industries have a score of 90, and that's what you're aiming for. So you can benchmark yourself against your competitors. Um, so I work for one client who has been doing their MPS study for 15 years. Mm -hmm. They report monthly. So they have an ongoing program that goes out to their customers on a rotational basis. So I think each customer is, is asked once, twice a year, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and you can see, you know, the charts go up and down. They're like a heartbeat it, for some of the products. Mm -hmm. But you can track each of those dips and peaks to something they've done. Have they changed? Um, they've changed the product, they've changed the name. Um, they had a problem, there was a recession. So you can over time build up a picture of, of their product and that's when we tried this and that didn't really work. So it was a bit rubbish for a few months and then actually we, we corrected that problem. So yeah, it's really interesting and, and you can, it, it's seeing that each of those peaks and dips relate to something and that's the magic of okay well if we do that then our score our customers are going to be happier if we behave like this yeah. if we do this oh they're not liking that it dips so actually we need to stop doing this and we need to do more of the good stuff it is interesting because marketeers will spend a lot of time looking at google analytics and we'll see it on a graph that not that many people they're just numbers they're not that many people are actually coming to our website so we just assume because they're not coming to our website it's because we changed the color of x and that's why they're not coming. We're not asked anybody, but we mm -hmm. just assume that's what, yeah. what it was. And that's why it's really interesting to do market research, I think, probably, because that might not be the reason. The reason mm -hmm. might be either something's outside our control, as you say, there was a, I know nobody could, there was a, a flood and nobody could get into the shops. And so that's why it happened. But when you're driven by just numbers, it's quite dangerous to think I know what's going on without actually doing some market research to find actually what are your customers saying. Mm. Totally, totally. Because you'll get the number and you, you'll make up all of your reasons yeah. why it's happening. And you, as we spoke about before, you've got your bias of why you think it's happening. So yeah, you've made a tweak on a website and you've changed it all to be green. You think it's brilliant, but no one has visited. Well, yeah, like you say, it could be a number of reasons yeah. why. And unless you speak to people and say, what is it about it that you now like or don't like, you'll never know. Yeah, you can assume right. it's because you've made it green, but you don't know do you that's right it's a really it's really really valuable and it's very easy to forget it because it's very tempting just to think oh i know i'm on the inside and i know yeah and it's, it's the whole thing about being so caught up in your product that you know everything about it and yes yeah. you do you are you are your product best you know you yeah. know most about your product but actually sometimes someone from outside going well actually is that really how about this 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 and this because yeah. are there, would you say there are kind of like, I mean, as we say with Google Analytics, everybody, well, I say everybody, pretty much everybody gets access to it as soon as they get a website, don't they, or some sort of analytics package and, and, and then also, um, you know, sort of tr trying to understand, get, getting feedback, probably people, as we've demonstrated, get it in 
not 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 a satisfactory way that's going to be terribly meaningful and helpful perhaps but are there almost like sort of basic set of I don't know say if it's if it's skills or, or a kind of a, a bit of a checklist or or, or 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 some questions to ask if you're you know say you're starting out you don't you don't have perhaps have budget for market research right now but you you want to be aware of you know the kind of um, you know, tr trying to use data in a useful way, obviously, apart from going on a data analytics sort of course or Google Analytics course, mm -hmm. there are any sort of key, key um, kind of, I suppose, ways to try and inform marketers or, or business owners about, okay, well, these are kind of some, some of the things I should just keep in mind and, and, and be aware of. And they might be things which make me think, okay, I do need to ask a question. I do need to commission market research. Um, I don't know if that's a bit nebulous, but... Yeah, I think I think look at so if you're looking at a Google Analytics chart, how many people are in there? Is it thousands or is it tens of people? Mm. So that you know, if thousands of people are doing something, then then what you've done is good. You know, if you've got thousands of more visitors, then brilliant. If you've got ten, then but actually, if you've only had one before, to jump to ten is so it's the scale. It's how, what is that number and how does that relate to your base size really? what kind of time period is it happening over? You know, if you've got a blip, but actually it's been constant and then you've got an up and a blip and a whatever. So look at the time frame. Um, look for kind of, ex like we said, look for external factors. Could it be something else going on? You know, if you've got your toilet paper business, everyone's looking for toilet paper in March, aren't they? That's why it's nothing you've done. You've made your website green in March. No, that's not why. Um, so yeah, I would say numbers and look look at a period of time. A period of time. So don't just focus on that massive jump there. Look back and see the bigger picture. And I think that would probably be it. step back and look at the bigger picture that that's going on there. I think that's particularly interesting because you've said it quite often during this conversation. You said look backwards, and I think that's something very tempting that people don't do. They don't analyse what's actually happened hard enough. Mm -hmm. It's very tempting to say, "Oh, look, drive forward. We've got to aim for these targets, these goals." And actually, you might reach those goals better if you spent time looking backwards. Yeah, and looking at what hasn't worked in the past. Yep and looking at mistakes you've made in the past. And also, you know, the thing, what's happened before, you've got good solid data and you know what's happened as a result of that. Yep. So use that to go forward. Yeah, that's so true. So, so true. Can I just ask this, you might, might say, I know I haven't got an example, but I'm sure you have. Um, have you got an example where market, doing a market research um, made all the difference, that it was the thing that made something work, but rather than not work? Um, probably, I think, I think the clearest one, and this again is, is pre-COVID, I was working with an accountancy practice, they had, well, had one office locally, and they wanted to open another office maybe 20 miles away. They had all the kind of, oh, hang on a minute, but people always call the office and they always speak to Jane, and she's always there, but actually if Jane's sometimes going to work from the other, the other office, and they call switchboard, and you have to transfer, oh, I um, don't know. And they thought the solution to this was a, you know, a fancy voiceover. It's not fancy anymore. Okay, I'm working at home. Voice. Yeah. They thought the solution was voice. And, you know, they, they had all these quotes, at, you know, substantial amounts of money to install, install this system that works across the two offices. And um, as part of their ongoing customer satisfaction program they were doing, I was like, well, why don't you just put in a question saying, you know, how important is it that you can always speak to Jane? So they asked the question and actually, 
the customers don't really they, they need to speak to Jane but if they called the office and Jane wasn't there wouldn't really be a problem so actually as long as they knew they could leave a message for Jane that's all they really cared about and as long as she called them back in time then that was yep. fine so they didn't need to install the massive system so they saved don't know three four five thousand pounds yeah and that's you know simply asking a question one question that got added onto a program that was already happening saving self fortune yep see that's exactly the right thing that's the kind of thing that you a small business often feel that i can't afford customer research but when it's going to make that bigger business yeah. decision decision change yeah. it's invaluable. and you you always have your own preconceived ideas about what your customers expect and what you want because they've always been you know this this company had always prided themselves on if you phone your your accountant will always answer the phone but actually yep. that no one really cared you know they did care but not enough that if if jane wasn't there the first time they called it wasn't a problem yeah the so, answer could have been that they just wanted the answer and so actually what they needed to do is up train up skill the people answering the phones yeah yeah it's interesting because it's, it's also interesting that with the what we're usually asking i suppose in all these this research is obviously trying to get to we have the quant and the qual but we're always sort of trying to seek ultimately a, a kind of human response and maybe it's emotional maybe it's practical that there's going to be parts there about you know or practically how people can access a product and where they buy it why they buy it how they buy it um but it's interesting um, in terms of when you if you when you feed back to clients with your reports and things like ultimately most of the time i'm presuming you, you know you're sort of producing a report mm -hmm. and then having to with a supporting narrative uh, to it but how how um how do you find that in terms of like, taking the quantitative you know taking the data and then making it how much do you need to make it uh, not sing but speak to the 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 clients who are then consuming it and how they they then they then share it onwards within their business do you ever find that's uh, an interesting uh, it's, it's an interesting mix because um if if i'm presenting to the company per se then yes, it's, it's much more of a, a difficult job to make it sing to them. So you need to be more clever with your, your graphics and the charts you're using. You know, you don't just give them a pie chart and a bar chart. You need to do something <laughs> a bit more fancy and that's a bit more visually impactful. If I'm presenting into a marketing team, all they really want is what are the numbers? How can we spin this to, to take this to HR, to the board, to finance? So, um, yeah, it's, it's working alongside the company and seeing actually what, what their take is and how it's best going to be accepted within, within their organisation. It is interesting because it's probably the closest we ever get to our customers ever doing market research because we might think we know them because we've analysed where they're buying books and, or buying whatever they're buying and we think we know because we've got analytics, but actually we don't actually talk to them. And this is a really close kind of personal relationship we're beginning to get so i know that possibly the qualitative isn't what you do but it's knowing that qualitative end of it is us hugging our customers and really genuinely showing an interest mm -hmm. yeah and e even on 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 a quant um questionnaire so yeah we're asking people about their book purchasing habits you can ask them you know why did you buy from me what made you choose us and then you put in a nice well what else what else do you want to tell us and they'll tell you yeah. well i was looking on your website and then an ad popped up for another website so i went and had a look there but i didn't like the way that website functioned because the drop down menu and if you wow. ask people they mm -hmm. will tell you all sorts it's giving them the opportunity yeah. 
and also catching them at the right time. So in that case, you'd need to ask them fairly soon after they'd bought your book. Yeah. If you ask them six months later, they wouldn't remember. But if you ask them kind of pretty much as soon as they've ordered it, then it's going to be fresh in their mind and they can say, well, yeah, I wanted it and then I forgot about it. And then, oh, and then you emailed me and you said it was on special offer and I put it on my to-do list and then I forgot again. And then I went onto your website and I saw that it was on special, special offer. So that's when I bought it. And if you ask people, they'll tell you. So you'll assume that they bought it when it was on special, special offer, but actually they were aware of it three touch points before. Yep. So you went there, they just needed that push. Yeah, that's right. It's getting people down that funnel. It's interesting, actually, as well, when this was my, my earlier on, my, my point, which I mentioned about another question I had uh, around, um, actually, it, it was getting to people and to customers, because one of the things I found in previous uh, jobs I've had, and one in particular, where we, we would complete a service we delivered to, to a number of customers, and then we immediately wanted to, to ask them about how they enjoyed uh, the, the service we gave them, which was over a number of days. And I quite often argued, well, wouldn't it be better? It was almost like a quality score about, well, you know, how, how much did you enjoy this session, that session? Would it have been better to have asked them at the end of each day where they could remember specifically any sort of, because it was, it was a quant and qual thing, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't an external mark research, it was an internal thing just to understand, was it good? Uh, what were your observations, et cetera. But we'd ask them at the end of the whole process when they've taken on a huge amount of information and it was a bit difficult. I always thought, I don't know. I mean, my assumption was always, would it, wouldn't it be better if we sort of did it on a, a basis throughout the week? Obviously trying to be unbiased, which I'm sure we would be biased because it was an internal thing as well. But then if you've done it at the end of each day, so day one, you're presenting Sam and you're amazing and everyone scores you 10 out of 10. But then the next day Sally comes and she is brilliant. You've got nowhere to go, have you? Yes. They've got to score you 10. Mm. But actually you were much better than Sam. So... I think point. doing it when the process is finished, if you're comparing all of those things, do it when the process is finished. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Well, that's a really good point, actually, because I, I, I always I always felt it was sort of, uh, oh, they might they might sort of forget what, what was going on there and, and that. But again, it comes out to the questions, doesn't it, I suppose? As you mm-hmm. say, if we're going on a sort of pure basis of which was the best you know, session mm-hmm. which you had, yeah. um, then it's getting that, that score. Yeah. And, if and you want to ask them, what was the best thing about the session that happened at 10.30 on Monday, then yeah, you probably need to ask them that at lunchtime on Monday because they probably will have forgotten. But if you're saying what was the one key takeaway thing across the whole week, then of course you need to ask them at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That crucial difference between the questions you're asking and actually what, again, sort of, well, I say hypothesis, but as you say, what, what you're trying to get out of the what and the why, what, yeah. what, what are you trying to get well, out you of You see that? so many, am I allowed to swear? Yes, shit, shit questions. So, you know, who's your favourite boy band? Boyzone, Westlife, NSYNC. Well, hang on a minute. What about Take That? You know, or all the other bands. <laughs> because you're so engrossed in what you think, you forget that there's a whole host of other people. Yeah, that's other right. Other options. I think it's really easy to lose sight of how important the questions are. And actually the questions are really, really difficult to put together. It's yeah. not straightforward. It's not just, I'll just pop these down. That's what you need the expert, the consultant to help you do. Because yeah. we all think we can write the questions, but you can bet yeah. your life we can't. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the service? Well, what bit of it? Do you want to know about my ordering? How quickly the phone was answered? What my product is like? How quickly 
I need to pay the invoice. You know, if you yeah. ask a completely open question like that, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. That's right. If you we want also... to know about how quickly the telephone is answered, then ask. That's exactly right. And people don't break their business down enough. They don't, as you say, people just ask, did you have fun in our shop? Well, possibly. Yes, no. Brilliant. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, you get completely meaningless answers. Yes, it's yeah, great. Yeah. And that, that's exactly when you get a stat, stat of 95% of people love our shop. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, yeah, you could, that's fine, but it's totally meaningless. Yeah. This is this, isn't it? I mean, I think this again, this sort of early, our earlier conversation about where you can potentially do more harm than good or where you're trying to sort of either massage an ego or you just start with a biased position. I was thinking if you're coming from your own position, one, you're going to have pretty shit questions, as you say, because I think in the past when I've sort of commissioned research and I've started off with a series of questions I thought might be useful, not trying to say these are the questions you should ask, but sort of these are the questions what we, I've been thinking of. And then I find that the incredible sort of alchemy almost where then the market researcher goes, okay, yeah, so that's leading. Uh, that's, that's not correct. That's not going to tell you very much. That doesn't link to that. That's not a good flow. It's all that kind of just that reinterpretation of everything. And then, and then feeding back to you saying, right, so this, these are the questions we're asking and just to check with your brief again. And you go, mm -hmm. gosh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I could never have done that. I yeah. That is a proper questionnaire. And you, again, you see it all the time, you know, um, how likely are you to buy my product again? extremely likely very likely quite likely likely no <laughs> or, but you see you laugh but you see it all the time oh yeah so you're just like and i look at them and go what no no one with any kind of research brain has looked over that question yeah, you know four options are positive so of course you're going to get positive stuff yep that's the thing isn't it it's just that that that, that sort of yeah as you say, me meaningless situation where you get it because I, I i'm one of those people actually who i mean even if it's i'm, I'm sure it's professional research and everything being done but I, I always look at the bottom of adverts on the tv um to, to see when they say you know nine out of ten women say this or whatever it might be you know i'm not going to name any names necessarily but mm. I think we all know what we're talking about and uh and then i just look at the sample sizes and i know that comedians sometimes do this don't they and say oh look you know yeah. so they, they test so this is a mass mass uh, marketed product which is going out to literally millions of people across the world and they've got a sample of like i don't know 94 people yeah and, to be and, fair though that's almost a it's not it's not a clinical trial but for those kind of it's it's a don't know the right word but it's a trial of so it's not necessarily market research is it they're testing it on the skin and how it works but yeah no totally when they're saying 90 percent of 10 people brilliant yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. that's nine then yeah right because it's and they're probably nine friends yeah. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> It's, it's quite interesting again because it, it it really speaks to again this this brief of you know understanding your your market your audience as, as we were saying in our meander the other day it's this you know you have to have that not well the ballpark understanding of you know obviously what you're doing and, and who you're doing it for in the first place and i suppose getting to a a, a closer hypothesis and and then and then something that's going to be uh, meaningful as well but i mean it's interesting because we had a question about why do more people not use market research? I don't know if you had any opinions on that. So were there particular barriers that you find that people? Well, I think I think there's a few reasons. I think people just don't really understand it. So they're a little bit. I don't know what it is, and it's all a bit scary. And so I'm just not. You know, I don't have to do it. It's not like going to an accountant to get your book signed off. 
you know, you don't have to do it. So people are like, yeah, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit scary. And it's a bit of dark art, and I don't really. So I'm just not going to do it. Um, some people just don't understand what it is. So we spoke earlier about the salespeople in disguise. Some people think it's kind of a really sly, pushy marketing salesy thing, and think, oh no, I don't want to do that. Um, people think too expensive well it's not really what i do it's it's what the big guys do and we don't need to do it and and some people just gets put to the bottom of the pile because it's yeah i'll get around to it at some point and and like we said before some people think they just don't need it they know their product best and they think they know the customers inside out so they just don't think they need it yeah. so yeah i think there's there's a, a few different groups of people there of yeah don't need it mm. And and I've been, sorry, sorry, Sally, you go for it. And I think there are uh, there probably are customers, both large and small. When I mean, people businesses both large and small, who, as you say, just think they don't need to do, need it because it's been work. It's all working fine. Mm -hmm. it, it'll be interesting to see what happens post COVID, actually, because I think COVID has been a kind of really interesting pivot point for people's businesses because they're now radically changing. They might have been suddenly having to sell online as opposed to in shop. And it might be interesting to see whether, do you think more people might think, perhaps I do now need to market, market research this and see whether I am actually going in the right direction? I think, I think now that we're kind of not coming out of it, but now we're in the period of, okay, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I think people who did the whole six months of <gasps> pivot, pivot, pivot are now thinking, okay, so I've done this, let me test and how can I improve and how can I develop? And yes, it worked, but have, can it carry on like this? So I think, I think we're potentially starting to see some of those people who have pivoted going right okay now I need to make this work and I need to improve yeah exactly mm. and it would be a wise thing now to do to actually do some market research which can which is affordable particularly if you budget into your ongoing budgets yeah. the market research will give you return yeah yeah and it doesn't have to be expensive you you could pay a researcher to write you a brilliant questionnaire you could gather that yourself you know that tends to be the expensive bit finding people yeah um so you know you, you could send it out for the newsletter you could you know there's, there's plenty of ways that you can get an online questionnaire out there so you don't have to pay um you know an expensive agency to do the whole thing there are ways to to make it more cost effective for you yeah with the I'm just like meandering. God, I'm so good at this meandering, aren't I? Going <laughs> off these little things. But with that, getting to people, the expensive part, you say getting to people, because I'm fascinated to know, in your experience, how do you find, is it harder to get to people and are they less responsive now with the onslaught of, we were discussing earlier on off, off, offline about, you know, social media feeds and we get bombarded with so much and, and just, just in general. And we said, you know, you mentioned, and I think we mentioned the other day that post might actually, my goodness, direct mail. <gasps> could be the thing to do again because it's actually quite a novel and different oh, it's approach exciting though isn't it getting something through the post that's <laughs> different it's like oh it's wonderful yeah. isn't it yeah. it's, it's fantastic and I, I love the fact that you know I, I mean in my experience it's sort of where i came in with marketing was we, we were still direct mailing and then that's obviously just everyone said oh god well you know that's just dead and buried now it's, it's all gone and well, when i started my career the agency i worked at um if you picked up a questionnaire and uh, sorry if you picked up a magazine and a questionnaire fell out of it it was probably coming to us so all of those which article did you like best do you like this editor what do you like most what don't you like and yeah we used to have someone whose job it was to count the post that's what they did all day well wow. yeah <laughs> wow i know <laughs> i know yeah 
Yeah, and 20 years later, it would take 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I suppose that sort of now you think, well, maybe there are these more novel approaches if, if it is potentially more difficult to get people's attention. I mean, I, I'm always quoting this thing about the fact that most people have less attention now than goldfish, apparently online and uh, all the, these stats and things. But I don't, do, do, do you it's, find it's, that? Yeah, I mean, it's thinking about how you approach them, isn't it? If you, if you send, so for example, your handbag company, you commissioned me to do a study. Your handbag customers don't know me. So if I sent them an email saying, oh, you've got a lovely handbag, you, you've got a lovely handbag, I'm doing some research on their behalf, they probably won't even open that email because mm. they don't know who I am. So the email should come branded from you. You can then say that you're working in association with me to make it unbiased and fair and whatever. So it's thinking about that. It's thinking about the messaging in the email. Why are you doing it? Again, it goes back to being transparent and clear about what you're doing. You're not just trying to sell them some more goo. You're trying to find out if they want the goo. And if they did, how best should you sell it? You're not trying to say, you've got to buy my goo and I'm going to bombard you until you do. Um, And I think it's it's then making it easy for them to give their opinion. So it's not, okay, click this link and then you need a password and then you need to log on to this page and then it's going to take 35 minutes and I need to go and think about it and I need to go look at your handbag and take a photo and then upload. You know, you need, you need it to be a simple process for them and you need to, if you feel that they need to be rewarded for their time, if you want to give them an incentive, then, you know, choosing the right incentive will help and that incentive shouldn't be another handbag it yeah. should be something that's completely separate from you guys so a, you know a shopping voucher or something yeah. so it remains impartial so that you otherwise it's like hang on a minute you've done this research and the prize was another handbag so no one's going to tell you anything rubbish because they would think yeah. they wouldn't get entered to win the handbag um so it's thinking about all those things that together make it oh actually this is this is actually quite a nice e- easy experience for me and actually i feel like i'm giving some value back and actually, yes, I love the handbag. So yeah, I'm going to help them. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's just exactly the same. You just have to put the customer first. Yeah. So when you think about it, it's exactly the same as all other kind of marketing. Yeah. You just got to make sure you're in your customer's shoes. Yeah, don't make what you're asking to do so awful and difficult that they can't be bothered. Yep. And I see that all the time. Someone wants to ask a questionnaire that's, you know, 60 questions long. You're like, well, you're going to get bored. By halfway yeah. through that, you're going to get bored. Halfway through, good lord, yeah. I'd be bored off about 10. <laughs> so, you know, and in some cases you do need to do it, but okay, maybe online isn't the way. Maybe what you need to do is to book some hour-long slots with people and do it face-to-face, yep. or, you know, over, over Zoom or whatever. It's thinking about making it the easiest experience for, for them to fit in. Yeah. Has technology made that, and well, obviously clearly technology has changed in, 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 your, in, your, in your career and uh, as it's developed, but has there been any particular kind of um changes in technology which, which have helped you i don't know if it's necessarily necessarily the, the latest uh ai uh helper i suppose it's ai in, in excel i've noticed sometimes excel lets me do things which I, it guesses what i want to do things like that that that's only my little sort of cheap infuriating yeah. uh, exactly <laughs> you, sure. i know my own brain stop it exactly yeah. <laughs> as, as a as a professional proper user of excel i'm sure you know you it's very different but are there any other sort of technological innovations or anything that have in, in recent years that have helped you or made the job easier or harder at all? I think, I think the, biggest, the biggest change in the research industry is the, the wealth of online. So 
kind of 15 years ago, a massive move towards online questionnaires, which people thought they could do themselves. So there was a whole swathe of really, really shit questionnaires happening because people thought, oh, well, I don't need a research anymore. I can just do it myself. Look, I can have a survey monkey count and off I go. But I think actually the technology is, is incredible and you can do some things now so quickly before would have taken me days. Now I can just click my fingers. I saw a, a demo the other day for, honestly, it was so clever. So it feeds in data from whatever program you're using and it will auto-generate chart that you can then turn into a dashboard. So I could have a three-year project and I can pull in a chart, you know, a figure of a person and that person changes colour depending on the shift of gender in the survey. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing, I, probably, I wouldn't have been able to do. If I did, I would probably need to pay a designer to do it for me. And just like, yeah, so, yeah. But then with that comes the expectation for clients for things to be more fancy and bells and whistles. And you don't always need the bells and whistles. Sometimes you just need the, here are the answers. This is good news or it's not great yeah. news. Yeah, particularly with marketers, I can see we, we all love a little shiny kind of clever mm. little uh, thing. And, and your, your thing of the changing colour of, of the, the person and, and whatnot, that, yeah. that already has got me uh, sort of going. <laughs> I'm already thinking, well, I'm just trying to get this I want one, on. I want one. Yeah. Yeah. Data yeah. visualisations, that's just, yeah. just this wonderful stuff. Because it's like, it's like when, you know, um, uh, well-known um, things, uh, what, Tableau or something like that, things come in and you think, wow, gosh, yes, this is yeah. so exciting and sexy. And I can, I can do all these things and you do it and you give it to the boss and they go, yeah great uh so what what's this he said well it's amazing i can i can i can do this and that but if, if you've not got the the fundamentals right behind it then mm. you put in rubbish yeah. you're going to get out rubbish it's just a shiny thing that yeah yeah i mean i love a good data visualization there's a, an amazing um information is beautiful oh, they yes. tweet yes. they just do beautiful mm. graphics beautiful yeah i could just sit and look at them forever it's just, real and they're they're never really they're not always anything that's particularly relevant or interesting you know they do them about cyclists in norway but the visualization is just beautiful yeah oh it's like it, it's pure poetry isn't it i, I yeah. mean i love those things but it's like you know even the oh, i forget which projection it's called you know the map which shows the real size of the world you know and then mm. the world by this or the world by that and that and that and i just find them fascinating or an upside down world yes that's really weird looking at the world upside down it's like oh yeah. yeah yeah and that, that's the thing is this these i mean and in, in many ways it encapsulates the you know the, the the perspectives that you that you have on things isn't mm. it and sort of the 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 perceived idea of that thinking well this is this is a truism this is how this is and and that's that like in my product or my business or my market this is how they are and then i imagine that must be quite rewarding when you then shift a perspective around perhaps intentionally well i say not intentionally it's you find the evidence of mm. of what's going on and then if you can then turn things around like we mentioned earlier on and people go oh gosh i never mm. thought of it that way i've never seen it that way yeah and then what will that make me then do you know yeah. it, um, and you see it with clients where they've they've gone in and we spoke about this earlier they've gone in with a right we've got this problem we need some research to help us fix it and actually they don't really they have that problem but that's not a major issue the problem actually is here they didn't even know that problem was mm. a problem so we've spotted it before it's become a massive issue and they can take measures then to sort it out yep. before it turns into, oh my God, what are we going to do type problem? Yep. 
Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it must be very rewarding when you, when you, you get to that, that sort of win. And because uh, we've mentioned a couple of projects here about what, what, uh, where, where things have changed and things have been different or, or, or difficult. But, but is there one which, from your perspective, perspective as a market researcher, quant market researcher, that you find the most intriguing or interesting from, from your, your work in it, like where you sort of, you've then seen a statistical significance of something which is, has, has, has sparked your, your interest and then... Uh, and, I think, do you know what? This sounds such a lame answer, but everything I do is really interesting because I love finding out stuff even if it's the dullest project in the world we're talking about widgets actually finding out that those widgets are sold in the wrong number of you know they don't want to buy 50 widgets they want to buy 100 widgets even that i find fascinating and find and looking for the pattern and is that really a thing or is it just a fluky and like you say finding that okay that is a significant finding Uh aha excellent um so yeah i think i find it all fascinating just because it it every project is so different and there's always something interesting going on even if it isn't what you'd hoped you might find Mm. that's great it's it's, it's endlessly fascinating i know (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants to do market research and they'll just suddenly think wow i can know the detail about stuff now yeah but then some people are just not detail orientated, are they? Whereas no, I love true. detail, I love order, I love a pattern, I love a trend. Whereas other, they're more creative and like, yeah, what the so yeah. That's the thing that the messiness and the tidiness, and then and yeah. then trying to get them together and uh, yeah, yes, must be some interesting uh, yeah uh, characters, aren't they? Yeah, working with working with creative clients who are very you know if the, if their business is very creative, then becomes quite difficult with the oh no i don't want to do that because i know and i feel and i'm yeah but look this is what the facts are telling you yeah yeah oh it's great it's brilliant it's brilliant gosh well i've we've been through so much haven't we it's extraordinary uh all, all the areas we explore and i think we could go on all, all day actually with with more more and more areas as well but... i could talk about data all day yeah <laughs> Oh, it would be wonderful but uh, but I, i'm interested as well to get uh, pe- people to know uh you know where, where you know where, where to find you as well amanda and what, what you're working on at the moment and, and where can they find out about you if they're interested to uh... okay so my website doesn't have my surname in it you'll be pleased to know so my website is just acemr.co.uk um i tweet at amanda clayson which is c-l-a-e-s-e-n-s and i'm on linkedin and that's probably the extent of my social media profiles <laughs> yeah but check out my website i'm writing some blogs i'm in the process of putting some case studies up they might be there by the time this goes live but don't shout at me if they're not i'm what it's one of those things all the marketing i need to do for myself is always the back of the pile isn't it but the one thing i love about anybody who's going to be visiting your website the one thing i love about it is, is the photography and uh, I, it, it just sums up beautiful bit of personality there and it, it's really um, really intriguing really draws you in thank you um yeah the photos are fab aren't they so that is all credit to a wonderful photographer who hangs out at the glorious perch in vista his name is massey so i would highly recommend him he's fab excellent well yeah everybody you know take a look there see what you think because i've recommended uh, recommended the look of the website to several several people and it's it's thank re- you very much coming from marketers that is lovely thank you <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well, I, I well, thank you very much indeed, Amanda, for your, your time today. It's, it's been a truly wonderful meander along the riverbank and, uh, and, and we've really enjoyed it, I think. Uh, and uh, the, there are so many fascinating areas, aren't there? And I think if, if there was one message that you think you could, you could share, Amanda, with everybody today, or marketers out there, small business owners, when thinking about market research and trying to understand what it is and if it should be in their lives, what, what, what would it be? What would you say to them? I think possibly don't be scared by it. There are plenty of people out there who know how to do good research. So just reach out to one of them and just have a chat. We're nosy. We love asking questions. So any research will be happy to talk to you. Perfect. That's a lovely note to finish on. Thank you so much, Amanda. That, I think that's Thank ideal. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really good fun. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you ever so much, Amanda. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you. See you soon. Bye now. Bye. Well, thank you once again to Amanda Clayson's there for her superb meander with us through market research. We hope that you enjoyed it. And if you want to continue the conversation, then please do send us a tweet at meanderspod or you can email us, which is at meanderspod at gmail.com. We hope you're enjoying the podcast, and if you fancy sharing it with any of your friends, family, well-wishers, enemies, whoever it may be, then please do let them know about it. And if they're into marketing or interested in the marketing arena, then hopefully they'll find it of interest and useful in some way. So remember, you can find us at MeandersPod on Twitter or at MeandersPod at gmail.com. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks very much. Bye for now.